The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. I love the power. Welcome to Port Fan Radio. This is Rick and this is the Big Footy Podcast. And tonight, my buddy and pal, longtime friend, Macca, is back. How are you, Macca? Hey, hey, I never said we were friends, mate. Oh, okay. <laughs> my uh, co-host on the podcast, you retard, <laughs> Macca is on. Mate, what's going on? You're, you're a bit of a troublemaker, aren't you? I'm a trouble. Why is that? I saw you causing grief on the big footy boards about the the crowd raising people up. Well, it was. It was nowhere near forty five thousand. It was clearly an under thirty, under forty thousand crowd. Did you go? Yep. Okay. I was. Um, I had my father's eighty fifth birthday, so I couldn't make it. So I could only watch it on TV. So. Uh, well, people were adamant there was 45,000 there, my friend. Uh, people don't know what they're talking about. Simple as that. People Simple don't know what they're talking about. That. Simple as that, mate. Easy. Well, why? No, I'm, why just, uh, I'm, I'm just being rude. No, look, it was... Look, look, two minutes before the bounce, I put a post on uh, a private Facebook group that I'm in, and I said, I'd be surprised if it's around about 35,000, 36,000. Uh, so when it came up 39, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by that. Um, to have people saying it was uh, closer to 45, I think they're just, um, I think their uh, their ability to judge crowds is just a tiny bit out of sync, I reckon, because there was plenty of spare spots and there was plenty of spare blocks as well, blocks of you know, eight, ten, twelve seats in a row or in a little uh, square there. So. Yeah, I thought the crowd was about right. And look, this idea that um, the SMA are skimming off our crowds and someone even said that uh, they're adding our crowds onto the Crows crowds, that's just ridiculous. That's just silliness. Yeah. <coughs> Why would they? What's the well, matter? Well, because I... Look, I can understand maybe why some people think they might skim our crowds because we get paid apparently on... Our attendance, but you know the AFL audits every crowd every week. I just don't believe that they would be in on it too. Like, what do they have to gain for screwing over one of their clubs? Nothing. Um, you know, I think as Port supporters over recent years, we've got this huge persecution complex going, and I think we need to stop it. To be honest, we need to be a bit more realistic. Yeah, I'm with you, my friend. I don't, uh, I don't. Sorry, I'm with you, my co-host. I, uh, I don't. <laughs> more importantly, what private, what private Facebook group are you on that I, I don't know about, mate? Lots, lots. Is it like the Naked Port Supporters Group? Is that the one? Oh, I didn't want to say anything, but uh, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I keep mm. trying to get an invite to that one, but they keep rejecting me. Yeah. I don't know why. That's it. Well, no Ricks allowed, mate. We've got one Rick already, and that's enough, I think. But oh, that's just brutal. So, how was your um, how was your week of uh, AFL football? Did you enjoy the round? I didn't really see much else, to be honest. Uh, I was working all weekend, so I saw the last quarter and a bit of the uh, Melbourne Collingwood game, and I uh, made sure I watched the last half of the Crows game because that was uh, very enjoyable. And uh, that was all I saw, really. So, are the crows are the crows cooked this year? Oh, I wouldn't, wouldn't go that far just yet. I think once they get you know six or seven players back, I think they'll be hard to beat again. But uh, they want to start performing pretty soon. Yeah, they got a tough run though. What about Melbourne? That was an interesting game. Yeah, well, Melbourne still really haven't beaten anyone of note. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm still holding reservations towards them. I guess what I do like about uh, Melbourne, win or lose, is at least the games they participate are a bit more um, free-flowing and uh, and a bit more aggressive, which I think is good for the game with the, the defensive element we've got at the moment. Yeah. Oh, they're a good team to watch. 
Um, you know, they're hard at it. They've got good pace. They've got goal-kicking ability up forward. You know, they've got stars. But, um, yeah, they've, they've had a pretty good run in terms of their fixture. So once they start to, uh, to see some harder teams, it's going to be interesting to see how they perform then. I guess what's uh, the, one of the takeaways for me from the weekend was um, the improvement of Collingwood. And I, I guess we've, we've seen it in re- recent times with um, uh, Richmond, obviously, from a couple of years ago, turning over their um, assistance coaches as well. And now Collingwood turning over our assistant coaches. Um, you know, I I'm, don't think I'm sort of misguided with this comment that the Port supporters, I think, are a little bit jaded. Not all of them, but a few of them are jaded with our game plan and, and Hinkley. And we've really persisted with some notable coaches for quite an extended period of time, and especially mm. like Greaves, uh, Nicks, um, and Michael Voss in his fourth year. Um, you know, I mean, if we aren't successful this year, is is that something that maybe the club should look at, getting moving on some co- assistance and putting some fresh ones under Hinkley? Oh, it wouldn't surprise me if that happens anyway, to be honest. A lot of those guys have been there for a while. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we make some coaching changes this year. Yeah. Um, Success so, or not, I think we're probably <coughs> due for some fresh ideas. So, Excuse me. So, yeah, I think so too. I mean, so where are, where are we at as a... Uh, as a footy club in relation to game plan, because it seems to be very controversial at the moment. Where, what's your take on it? Uh, look, we're not as free-flowing as we were last year. We're not scoring as much, anywhere near as much as we were last year, but I think our defence is still going pretty well. Uh, we're clearly a very defence-minded side at the moment, and look, that's not a bad thing. Um, there's plenty of teams that have won premierships by doing that. Um I don't know, maybe if we, once we get Marshall back and we've got three key forwards up there, um, it might just open things up a little bit. Maybe all you need is just that one player. Even though he's inexperienced, he is bloody tall. He can chase, he can tackle, he can kick goals. Um, and that's going to take pressure off Dixon. It's going to take some pressure off Watts as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him back in the side. Hopefully it's this week. Uh, if not this week, then the week after. Um, and I think that might... Um, help sort of create some space in the forward line a little bit and uh, and improve our scoring. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I think our, I don't mind our game plan. I, I think it's it's got potential to win a premiership with a, a few little tinkering um, bits here and there. Um, well, I thought we played really, really well on the weekend. And I thought we had a great win. Um, I don't know why people just always constantly want to downplay what we do. Um, as I says. I think that's an extension of the persecution um, complex that I just spoke about. Um, I thought we had a bloody great win, to be honest. Yeah, it was interesting, actually. Like, watching it, I was sort of... Um, I was gripped and intrigued, and I... It wasn't really until sort of the end of the game, it was like, well, we didn't really... Uh, there wasn't much scoring in the second half here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sort of... I mean... Might as well talk about it now. I mean, it's one of the most controversial things about the game is, you know, we scored, what, one goal to Richmond's two in the in the second half. Um, you know, and I, I guess, yeah, we might like 10 goals to one, but it's not going to happen. I think I think this week, this Thursday against the Bulldogs, um, you know, it's, they're probably a team under, under duress. And you'd think coming up against our professional defensive unit, um, we should be able to open them up and probably score a little bit easily. But I think Richmond played a very strong defensive game as well, which sort of limited our opportunities to score. But I think in years gone by, we probably just would have panicked and bombed long to an outnumbered defence, which would have then rebounded quickly and uh, and scored against us. And then we would have been frustrated fans for the opposite. Yeah, that's right. Look... I think uh, the way the defensive nature of the game played out, that's just as much, if not more, on Richmond than it was on us because they flooded everybody back in that second half. Um, you know, they tried to do a uber slingshot and it just didn't work out for them. Um, you know, our defensive structures were really strong across the middle of the ground and, you know, as we saw a lot of times last year, we were really able to keep it in our front half for, for much of the game, I thought, uh, especially through that second half. And, 
Look, yeah, you know, the goals certainly dried up after half time. We only kicked one. They only kicked, uh, what, three or something like that. Who cares? We won the game. Um, and we can't really, you know, our supporters can't really go down the route of, well, if we played someone better, we might have lost. Well, we played someone who was second on the ladder, who were the reigning premiers, and we kept them to almost half their average score this year, and we kept them to their lowest score since 2016. So their lowest score in around about 32 games or so. So I reckon that's a pretty mean effort, to be honest. Yeah, and look, I mean, are we sort of trying to structure up our defence first before attack? Who knows? Um, But I'm with you. I mean, most uh, premierships are won by a stronger defensive unit than an offensive unit, uh, the history sort of suggests. So um, it's vitally important that we get that right. And... I think the game was gripping enough um, that it made it interesting, and it, it was a it was an interesting storyline in football terms. I thought, and I, I was quite entertained by the game, and you know I was willing to watch it for a second time. So it can't have been that bad. Yeah, well that's right. I'm just a bit sick of the negativity. <coughs> like, you know, fair enough, we lose games we shouldn't, and the week before was bitterly disappointing to lose that game against Hawthorne. Um, and look, I, I totally went into the last quarter expecting us to get run over the top of, absolutely. But you know, I was incredibly surprised and absolutely ecstatic that we you know, held on and won that game. Because uh, you know, they, they threw everything at us in that second half, especially in that last quarter. There was a good sort of 10, 12 minutes where Richmond really put the burners on and, and attacked really hard. But we were able to um, conjure up something pretty special defensively and, and really stop them from having a chance of scoring too many goals. Um, we've got a question from Ian on the uh, Spreaker chat saying, uh, does a defensive style in relation to keep sides to low scores in sacrificing your attack, is that a good way to win premierships? It doesn't seem to work for Ross Lyon. Uh, yeah, well, we don't have Ross Lyon as a coach though, right? No, that's right. That's right. Um, I guess, I think, defensively Look, it worked minded for, It worked for Paul Reason and it worked for John Longmire, so... Yeah, it does work. Yeah, well, I think uh, having a defensive focus is um, more a key for success than uh, than all-out attack. I mean, probably Geelong's the anomaly, but they just had a super side in their era. You know, they they were just gifted like a dynasty of fantastic players, which is pretty rare. Um, yeah. Even the Hawthorne side defensively structured up amazingly well um, in their era of dominance too. Yeah. So I think, uh, and I I think the credit with the defensive unit at the moment as well is how raw they still are. You know, Houston, Darcy Byrne-Jones, Howard, Cleary, you know, Darcy just passed 50 games uh, last week. Um, The rest are under 50 games. So, you know, it's usually the inexperienced defenders that get exposed the most at AFL level, but they're, they're sticking to their structures fantastically well. Yeah, we're all Are you back. a MasterChef fan, Macca? Not really. Well, not the Aussie version, no. Really? No. Apparently it's making uh, big waves in uh, the UK. Is it? Yeah. Well, that's good. What no, would you I'm, call- a, I'm a big uh, UK MasterChef fan, but uh, not so much the Aussie version. What, what gourmet dish would you make with Vegemite? <laughs> with Vegemite? Yeah. Gourmet dish. Uh, <coughs> lamb shanks. Lamb shanks. Yeah, good choice. I'd do um, cheese, baked bean and Vegemite toasties. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, so the other controversial thing uh, with Port Adelaide recently outside of Hinkley's game plan is uh, Jake Neat. Where where are you at with the Needmeister? Jakey Need. I am he, I am ready to uh, send him back to the SANFL, that's where I am. You're on the you're on the drop need bandwagon? Yeah. Look he he had a couple of good games once he came in, but he's a small forward. He hasn't kicked a goal in five weeks. Simple as that. <laughs> really. But he's got defensive pressure. <sighs> So does Marshall, but Marshall kicks goals. Yeah. You know, he, well, we just spoke about our low scoring. Um, 
when you've got a player up there who's incapable of kicking goals, then, uh, you know, they probably need to be uh, sent back until they um, find some form. Look, Needy's uh, chasing has been okay, but that's all he does. You know, that's all he's ever done is chase. He's never been a big goal scorer. Uh, we know that. And it's frustrating. Um, and we should be finding other players that can do his job, but also kick goals. I can't wait to see Aiden Johnson back in the side, to be honest, because he's quicker than need. He's got better defensive pressure. He actually finds the ball. He's smarter with it. He takes marks and he kicks goals. Yeah, I'm with you. I like Aiden. I thought before his injury, he was uh, looking the goods. Um, yeah. And he was showing some real promise. And yeah, I'm with you. And I, I guess I like Jake Mead when he, he is laying strong tackles and just not chasing leather. Um, I guess what was interesting in the pre-game show, I noticed they brought up our forwards and um, you know, the champion data where uh, a couple of the legendary posters on Big Footy are, are feuding at the moment. Forza Port's one of them and uh, Il Scorcho. And uh, champion data only was the only one to have elite uh, was Jake, Le- Jake Need out of our forwards. In what? Pressure acts? Pressure acts. Yeah, but that also means he's not tackling. Yeah, I know. That's the other part of that equation. Um, look, I like Needy. Well, what's a, what's a I reckon he's a good guy, and you know, I reckon he tries his heart out out there, but I just think he's, you know, he's never going to be better than being maybe the 25th best guy on the list. Um, and we need to find someone that can perform better than him. Simple as that. Well, he hasn't been able to take his game to another level, has he? He hasn't really improved since... His debut season. Yeah, 13-14. He's, that, that's what it is. And, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, we need definitely Aiden Johnson, I think, has more potential to, to go further. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, whether it's uh, Johnson that's coming in or he's replaced with uh, Marshall this week, um, yeah, it's uh, it'll be an interesting call. But, um, mm. yeah, I'm on the, uh, the, uh, the drop need. Uh, bandwagon for someone maybe a little bit better. So, yeah. did you see my new nickname for Sam Gray? No, this is uh, concerning. What is it, mate? Sloppy seconds. Sloppy seconds. Righto. Many meanings. But, uh, well, he's the second of the Greys. Okay. So, his recognition is sloppy second to the main Grey. Yeah. But, his disposal at time can also be a little bit sloppy as well. So I think uh, I think sloppy seconds works really well for Sammy Gray. What do you reckon? Uh, maybe. He's our leading goal kicker this year, Sammy. Yeah. He's an he example of goal- a player that, uh, that is actually taking his opportunities a bit more this year and is kicking goals. He, uh, he kicked two goals three on, the, on Friday night. He did. He, uh, he missed a couple of sitters. I don't know... If he just couldn't recover in time for his uh, shots on goal, I think he also had one out on the fall as well. And, yeah, possibly. Uh, and I, but I thought his disposal in that game was average at best. And I don't, I think at least close to half of his disposals were not to his uh, teammates' advantage. And, I, and it goes unnoticed. I thought he was all right. I thought he was all right on the weekend. Um, that's probably the first time I can remember he's had a really good game against really good opposition. Uh, usually he's um, he's someone who performs his best against the weaker sides. That's what we've seen over the last year and a half or, or so, once he became a, a permanent fixture up forward. Um, but what I've liked about his game on the weekend was that he just kept going and he kept finding the ball and he did actually kick a couple of goals. Um you know, his, his kicking for goal has improved this year. He was a bit of a disaster last year. Uh, but he's going at 17-11 this year, which is uh, significantly better than what he was at around about the same time last year, where he was about 12 goals, 25 or something. Um, so I think uh, I think he's shown improvement this year, um, and he's a better player uh, currently than what he has shown in the past, which is great. That's what we need. We needed someone like him to just try and... Uh, find an extra 5 or 10%, and, and I think he's doing that at the moment. 
Yeah. So if he, uh, if we were offered, say, from a a Hawthorne, a second round pick for Sam Gray, would you take it? Uh, don't know. I'd have don't to really, know. really think about that. Um, because you've got to find someone that can do his role better than what he can do it. Yeah. Because uh, his role is actually quite important because he is that uh, that second sort of lead-up quasi-midfielder um, along with Travis Boak. Um, as we've just discussed, we can't really rely on... You know, if Gray wasn't there, we can't really rely on Need to take over his spot and, you know, kick a goal and a half a game because he's never proven that he can do that throughout his career. Uh, Johnson maybe might be able to do that, but he's not going to be a player that's going to get, you know, potentially 20, 25 touches a game either. Uh, whereas Sammy Gray on his day can do that and can run through the midfield. Um, I, I like Sam. I think he's turned into a, a, a reasonably valuable midfielder that's got a few strings to his bow. I'd almost want a little bit more than a second-round pick from Hawthorne. Especially this year when a Hawthorne second round is going to be, what, about pick 30 or something. Oh, I'd probably prefer, you know, pick 20 or something like that for Sam Gray, to be honest. So you think Sam Gray would be 20 below? No, I don't think he'd he'd fetch a first rounder. I think somewhere between sort of 20, 25 or 18 and 25, I think would be the going rate for him. He sort of reminds me of a um, a non-aggressive uh, Hayden Valentine. Minus the dickhead factor, I probably yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Minus the dickhead factor, especially when Valentine was in form. So, what about the game itself? Let's if we go to the game, uh, we came out the blocks early, kicked a couple goals. Uh, Richmond bounced back pretty hard and looked impressive and. And uh, I think they kicked what four in a row, got a, and they they got up by a couple of goals on us. Yeah. And then we and then we had that massive surge uh, late in the second quarter, uh, where we we strung seven goals in a row, and that ended up ultimately breaking the game open. And then we had that dour um, second half, which was a, which we spoke about, which was a a real fight for the ages. Um, how did you how did you see the whole game? Did you uh, is it is it is concerning a little bit for us supporters that we the games we win we seem to just have a short burst which sort of puts a gap on the opposition and that's it we or uh, is that just modern football at the moment? I think that might just be modern football. You've got to remember that we are playing against an opponent um, who's trying to stop us from scoring, um, and it's pretty rare for Richmond to have. Five goals in five minutes kicked on them. I'm not sure that would have happened all that often in recent years. Um, so their systems completely broke down at that point. And um, of course they're going to come back in the second half and, and re-correct that and make some changes structurally and and uh, and try and stop our scoring. Um, and that's what we've got to remember as well. You know, Just because we kick five goals in five minutes doesn't mean that we can come out in the second half and kick 30 goals, you know? Because you are playing against an opponent, and the opponent that we were playing against was the reigning Premier. Um, yes, they had a few players out, but um, they still had a very, very good side on the park. Um, I thought it was a, a really intriguing battle. You know, it was fairly open in that first half, and then it just completely shut down after halftime and turned into a real arm wrestle. And I think uh, my concern, especially through that third quarter, was I felt that it was really, really similar to last year's game, where we sort of broke out to a bit of a lead. At half time, I think we might have been, you know, three or four goals up, and then Richmond got a goal, and then they got another one, and then the floodgates opened, and suddenly we found ourselves three or four goals down ourselves, and the game was over. Um, so I thought yeah, it was really, really that pleasing that we that were able to, uh, to stop them from doing that. The, you know, the frustrating thing about last year's game against Richmond too was they got all their goals in the same style. They were yeah. able to just flick it around quickly, got to the open side, and just waltzed it in, delivered inside 50, nice and easy, and kicked a goal. Exactly And they right. just kept... And, and we, stopped did that. We, we didn't allow them to do that this year, which yeah, was great. Yeah, that's right. So we've been, so you could argue that we've improved from last year tactically to this year because 
That's right. We stopped. That's what they were trying to do, and we didn't facilitate that. Obviously, Dusty Barton not playing for them was a big out. Um, you could argue that he's not in peak form compared to last year at the moment, but um, you know he's still a good player and. Uh, well, he's a serious. He's still a seriously good player, and he he has played really really well this year. Um, you know they, they were missing other guys like Pressier as well, and uh, but they still had a lot of really good players and a lot of Premiership players out on the park. Let's not uh, let's not forget that. Um, I feel like I don't know. I was relatively disappointed with Dixon's game in, in the fact that. I feel like he was able to get first hands on... The, this was my criticism of him all the last year, was that he was able to get first hands on the ball a lot of times, but just didn't take the mark. And that seemed to happen a lot on uh, Friday night as well, where he was able to get first hands on the ball and either Rance came in late or he dropped the mark. Um, you know, I feel like he got in really good position and, and could have had a really good game, but, um, you know, who knows, maybe if he, if he took another... Four or five marks, we could have kicked another two or three goals from that, and uh, no one would be complaining about our lack of scoring. Saying that though, Dixon, um, he started the first quarter amazingly well, and he was clunking his marks, and he was making Rance be completely accountable as a defender, which uh, sometimes Rance doesn't like and likes to fall off and be that loose running man. So he did provide that tall target in the first quarter. Yeah. Look, he started well, no doubt about that. And I don't know, maybe his uh, maybe his ankle injury sort of um, helped sort of curtail his form a little bit as the game went on. But um, I don't know, that was a that was a pretty good battle. I, I thought we played that pretty well as a team in terms of um, how we played Watts, how we played Westhoff. Um, you know, there was a lot of complaints I heard around me on. Friday night about Wessoff's lack of getting a touch and all that sort of stuff, but you know, I thought he played that sort of uh, that role on the opposite side of the ground really, really well. It really stopped Rance from being able to become the third man up on too many contests, which I uh, which I was very, very happy with. It was really a midfielder's game on Friday night, though, wasn't it? It's um, you know you had we had Chad Wingard who was heavily criticised before the game. He uh, he played predominantly midfield and and had a, a much stronger game. I think he had 31 disposals in the end. Uh, Ollie Wines was uh, was fantastic. Uh, you know what, 12 clearances or something and something stupid and uh, or 12 marks, 16 clearances, 31 disposals. And mm-hmm. I was really impressed with um, Sam Power Pepper as well. I thought he had a great game and he's been very influential for us since he's returned to the side. Yeah, no doubt. He was always going to be super important to us this year, Sammy, and um, we needed him out here, and I think we certainly missed him uh, when he wasn't in the side. Um, but yeah, look, Ollie Wines was great. He was uh, he was the raging bull out there. Wingard was all class, 31 touches, 8 tackles. Um, he played really, really well. Um, and I feel like his form's been a little bit unfairly judged. Um, and I do love him as a midfielder. I think that's where he plays his best footy, to be honest. Um, he just seems to be able to, to be a little bit more free with his disposal and with his thoughts when he's playing through the midfield. And uh, and Sammy was great. That was one of his best ever games, absolutely. 28 touches, 6 tackles, 6 clearances. That was definitely one of his best games. Pro- definitely his best game this year, and uh, would definitely be in his top three. I would say. I love Sam's um, tackling intent. He uh, he loves to tackle. He loves to try and fairly hurt the opposition players, um, put his influence on the game. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of players that you know have the courage to do that fairly, uh, but he keeps giving it a go, and uh, I love it. Yeah. He's a gun. He's a gun. And... Um... You know, if we if we do make finals this year, I think we're going to see his sort of form coming out in finals uh, as well. I thought the best player on the park for me was Darcy Byrne Jones. Um, I thought he was our best player. I thought uh, his ability to just be in the right spot at the right time on you know twelve or fifteen occasions was great. 
he just seemed to be the main person that was um, able to stop Richmond from getting the ball forward. Andrew and gave us run. I, I was with you. Um, I uh, I mean, look, I guess Ollie Wines is probably right up there. I mean, he had a fantastic and influential game. But I'm with you. Like Darcy was in the right spot all the time. He was dry, giving us run, rebound. He's a hard player. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Darcy. He sort of had a little bit of a lull period there for a few weeks, but he's coming back like he was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I liked Pittard's game. I thought Pittard's inclusion was important for the structure of the rest of the team. I thought it freed up Bonner a fair bit um, to, to play a little bit better than he's done in recent weeks. And I thought Pittard, um, you know, his first game this year was... A disaster. This was uh, much closer to his better form than uh, what he's shown for a while. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened with Jasper in that first game. He was just a uh, a fish out of water, and for an experienced player, it's very unusual. But um, yeah, he look. I don't think he's at his all time best, but yeah, it was definitely a better game, and uh, he formed a good nucleus with the uh, the defensive unit. And I think. That defensive unit looks a lot better, unfortunately, with Homsch not in the side at the moment. Yeah. Well, he might be back in this week. Apparently, Tom Jonas has, uh, has hurt himself at training, so it's quite possible that uh, we'll see Homsch back in the side. Um, Is that in italic brackets? Is that like code for resting? No, I think it's code for he's hurt himself at training. <laughs> so, I guess the other... You're the man of... Uh, inside information hardly but, uh, go on <laughs> what's going on with his contract oh, i think he'll sign yeah yeah i think he's just i mean uh, you know as port supporters we get a bit uh chihuahua-ish at this sort of stuff we tremble and get a bit paranoid you know when we the do big names are up, when we they're do. up for grabs um, that's true you know, but i guess it's unlike other ones where other players and other clubs where they they say, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I'm going to wait to the end of the year or whatever. He has sort of repeatedly come out and said he's loved this club and, and all that sort of thing. It, it seems interesting that he wants two and the club wants a longer contract, though. Yeah, well, he's just looking after his own interests. I don't think there's any issue with that. Um, with free agency and that sort of thing, he's trying to maximise his um, monetary output while, while he can. Um, and fair enough. You know, footy's a short game. For, for these players and they got to make the most of it. Um, look, if he stays wonderful, if he goes, we'll get something great for him. Um, either way, I'm, I'm not going to be concerned. Yeah. Mm. I'd love him to stay, obviously, because I think he's a gun and I think he will step up in the next couple of years um, even more and get to that sort of all Australian standard. Um, but look, if, if he chooses that his heart's not in it, then you don't really want someone hanging around who's not 100% um, focused, do you? Is he captain material then? Uh, I waver on this one a little bit. I still think he's a little bit... I, I still think he's just got a little bit more growing up to do uh, on field um, to be able to but- be... Uh, an AFL captain, I think. But I think he's not far off. So who would be your choice for captain, then, if you needed one at this point in time? If both stood down for whatever random reason? Well, I mean, look, Wines is probably next cap off the rank, really, isn't he? Maybe Tom Rockley. Yeah. You know, he's captain well, the club before. He knows what what's involved with that. So he might be an option, too. Well, we've just said that we don't think he's... Uh completely ready to be captain. So if we're saying, you know what, maybe he's not ready, I'd actually go with Tom Jonas. Yep, that's fair. Uh, I think Tom, even though I know he's had his uh, history of reports, I think he's been severely uh, adjudicated against in some of his reports um, and heavily penalised. But I just see he's so consistent. He's so strong. uh, He's a great leader. Um, you know, if we've got a little bit of ambiguity over Wines and his future and his uh, maturity on field, uh, I would have thought Tom would be a great interim captain for a couple of years uh, yep. while Ollie sort of is still developing that. 
Yeah, I think that's fair enough as well. I could see that happening. I still um, don't think... We've got a, uh, a question. We've got a question on the speaker yeah. chat from uh, Windy Runner, which is, would you change the sliding rule to you can't take possession of the bowl wall on the ground to keep the players on their feet? Yeah, no, I don't care. I would give that a big, big no, because uh, they tried that in the preseason about a decade ago where you weren't allowed to pick up the ball while she were on the ground, and it was an absolute disaster and goes against everything you're taught. <laughs> As a junior footballer, I think, um, to hunt the ball and, and go after the ball. Uh, so I would say no, a big no to that one. Yeah, I think so. I, Yeah, it's part of the fabric of the game, whether you're on the ground or not. If the ball's there, you got to get it. And we need to keep supporting the players in being first for the ball and getting to the ball. I mean, it's a pet hate of mine now, you know, where players are sort of looking, waiting, and almost want to be second to the ball, sweating on poor innocent players that try to get it. Um, so, so go, grab them for holding the ball. And, you know, now with this push to call holding the ball even faster, I'm worried that it's just going to encourage players to sweat even more um, to try and pin the poor ball getters even even more so. Mm. Um but uh, Tom Rockcliffe, he still looks a little bit lame, doesn't he? Tom was uh, a mixed bag on Friday night. I thought he did some really, really clever things um, and was pretty crucial through that second half for the most part in, in why we won the game. But there was three or four things he did which just had me swearing my head off. Um, there was one particular play in the second quarter where he absolutely shirked a contest and it cost us a goal and it was as bad as what Loney's shirk was in that preseason game which uh, uh, which led to the dismay of us uh, uh, picking him up as a player um, so that was really disappointing for someone uh, of Tom Rockliffe's standard and, and a contested ball winning ability for him to shirk that contest I thought that was really really poor there was a few kicks as well which um which you just thought, why are you doing that now, um, sort of thing. But for the most part, I thought he was better than average on the night as a whole. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm not being critical of his game. I think he's raised his game over the last few weeks. But just looking at him moving around the ground, he, he still seems like he's a lame player. He doesn't seem to be moving freely. And he seems to be slower than what I remember in the past. Well, he's never been quick. He's, he's never. He's always been slow. From even from his TAC Cup days, he's, that was the big knock on him was that he lacked pace and lacked the ability to sort of get going, sort of thing. There was no sort of burst speed with with Rockliffe, and um, didn't didn't really matter with the role that he was playing at Brisbane because he was in and under and it was that sort of uh, traditional Rovers type role. Whereas um, here he's sort of playing a little bit, a little bit more outside. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe the modern game's not suited to his uh, physical attributes really anymore. But I still think he's performing and uh, he's absolutely worthwhile out there. Um, I don't know. He didn't really have much of a preseason, so maybe that's just what we're going to get from him all this year. He's just going to be that little bit behind the eight ball physically. Uh, hopefully, he can come out next year have a have a strong preseason and get some K's into the legs, and we, we might see a, a fitter player. Uh, next year. Well, I mean, I just think it's great that he's playing midfield, right? He hasn't yeah. played midfield. He he looked like a, a bit of a duck out of water, uh, permanently forward, and um, and I think our midfield needs that sort of consistent player anyway. So um, mm. I think that's most uh, fundamentally important. It's also um, how are we going to go with uh, Paddy Ryder for the season because we're definitely managing him now in his Achilles. Is that a bit of a concern for us? Oh, obviously because we don't really have anyone that can step up, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, with Hayes out, um, you know, I guess there's a little bit of pressure on Frampton to step up and, and perform in the SANFL just in case Ryder gets injured. Um, this is the time where we do need Frampton to be ready for AFL football. So hopefully the club's had that chat to him and um, he can get his head into gear and and be ready if we need him. So what are the experts that have been watching the uh, 
Maggie say about the uh, Billy Fragile? Is he improving his performance? Is he is he trying to get that second ruck spot? What's what's the go there with Billy? I think he's performing all right. Enough to get an AFL call up if required. Uh, well, I think, yeah, I think maybe. I think he's still got a little bit to go, but uh, I think he's been performing okay. Um, he could perform better, but uh, oh, he's. I've never really thought he's that far off getting an AFL game. He just wasn't ready when we needed him to be ready earlier in the year. That's all, because uh, he had no preseason and the run in his legs wasn't there. But you know, he's played most of the last you know two months. I think uh, if we need him. He'll be ready. But I, look, I still think we'd probably still persist with someone like Howard and Westhoff in the ruck as opposed to bringing in Frampton. Um, but let's not worry about that, I think. Let's just uh, touch wood that uh, Ryder lasts the whole season. Well, I guess it's just... If he can play and he's just got to be managed, I guess they're just going to manage him for the season. I, I'd assume that there's no point resting him because it's not going to make any difference. And I think, do you, you know, you're the... You and Porsche and Mish are the, the draft experts. How, do you think this is going to change our strategy uh, in recruitment and list management for 2019? Oh, we spoke about that. Me and Porsche spoke about that on uh, Thursday. And we, we spoke about what that means and whether we will go to the draft and, and pick a, a mature age ready to go ruck or not. And I'm not convinced that that's the way to go. Um I don't, th- you know, I don't think, I think Frampton's probably the type of player that we would look to pick up anyway, because he's at that right sort of age bracket. Um, I- I'm not really for getting a 28 year old XAFL player who's played, you know, maybe 15 games or something like that. That doesn't interest me at all. Um, I'm happy to sort of possess with the guys that we've got on our list, and hopefully Hayes, uh, you know, he's back sort of this time next year and, and ready to go. Yeah, I, I'm sort of with you. I mean, I think all the lists now are going to that point where you have your one key ruck. Um, yeah, I mean, West Coast is probably probably the anomaly there with Nick Nat and Scott Lyser, who's been rumoured to maybe come back to the SA clubs. I yeah, guess I'm pick- not interested in Lyser, to be honest. The only way that I would want Lyser is if Ryder went the other way. Uh, yeah. To be honest, um, I, I'm not prepared to overpay for Scott Lysett just to completely change our forward structure to fit him in. Um, I, I don't think that's necessary. And look, I'm I'm more than happy for the Crows to overpay to get him. Yeah, I'm with you in that camp. I uh, I'd probably back who we've got. Maybe maybe uh, you know with a late draft pick, draft another young up and coming ruck potentially just to have another toll in the balance but um yeah i i think uh, it's just the modern modern list management now i mean look at the crows they're they're managing uh, sam jacobs he's struggling and you know there's not too many that have that two strong rucks now so um, yeah. yeah it's an interesting uh, interesting time and i think as supporters we have to wear it i guess you know how many years has patty have left as a ruckman at uh, at afl level uh, i mean He's probably yeah. got a couple, but that's probably about it, really. Yeah. So, would think. you think Billy Frampton and Sam Hayes by then should be knocking on the door, pushing, wanting Billy especially uh, to play AFL consistently by then? I think so. I think, look, hopefully this is a, a blessing in disguise for Hayes. He can put on some bulk in the gym um, and get some uh, body mass going. <laughs> and, you know, that's probably going to be the best thing for him. And uh, hopefully he can come back round about this time next year and start playing games again. And uh, and we'll be ready to go come uh, 2020 to lead our rucks because he's certainly got the talent to do that. He's got the ability. Um, you know, I can't wait to see him play again. So if we cast our eye forward, uh, we're playing the Bulldogs this week on Thursday. I don't even know if uh, we'll get a review show in with Porsche or... Um... Seen it's a Thursday night. No, we're doing and, it tomorrow. Oh, you're doing it tomorrow? Yeah. Good work. Uh, but also the AFL's come out this week and said Adelaide, the city, could be the home of um, of Thursday night football next year with potentially six games 
in the city of churches. What do you think of that? I'm okay with it. I think the Crows would probably get four of them and we'd get two, I reckon. We'd get the Anzac? Uh, I would hope so. I would hope that continues. Um, look, I'm okay with it. Yes, there's going to be pl- people that can't go, but you know, there's people that can't go on a Saturday. There's people that can't go on a Sunday. There's people that can't go on a Friday night as well. So uh, it doesn't matter when we play. There's going to be people that are inconvenienced by it. Um, maybe Thursday night's a bit more of an inconvenience than a Friday or a Saturday night because uh, I guess it's a school night still. Um, so that might limit some people's ability to go to the game, but. Overall, I'm happy to give it a crack and uh, and see what happens. Let's face it. What what parents putting their kid to a normal bedtime at seven o'clock these days? Anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's exciting. Um, I'd I'd like us to have three and three. I, I think it would be great. Um, more prime time slots, the better, as far as I'm concerned. But if it's two and four, I, I'd take that too because. Two's better than none, and yeah, I'm all about the prime time slots, and I, you know, I think it's great. You know, Richmond Friday night, Bulldogs Thursday night, then we've got Melbourne, which will be a great game in two weeks' time. Uh, it is a good block of fixtures for us. Um, this little window that we've got. Yeah. What did you think of Polex game on Friday? Oh, I, yeah, I, I mean, the state the obvious. I thought he uh, he started slow, and had a few. Uh, you know, average moments, uh, got his spray. I uh, thought it was funny post-game, how he said he was shitting himself on national TV. Uh, but I thought he finished strong. And I like the fact that he uh, gave his right foot a go and on a couple of cha- occasions. Yeah. That was a surprise. Oh, look, his yeah. first, let's face it, his first quarter was utterly atrocious. That's I said at the time that was the worst quarter of football I've any, ever seen anyone play, and I stand by that. He was just diabolical in that first quarter and um, look, fair credit to him because I thought he was our most valuable player in the second quarter and was the key reason why we uh, we kicked those sort of burst goals late in that uh, late in that second quarter so for him to turn it around so quickly uh, it's pretty rare for him to do that, usually if he's off he's off for the whole game um, so for him to turn that around I thought was uh, was wonderful He's been one of our better players this season, though. Surely he'd be pushing top five in the BNF. Yeah, maybe. I was uh, pretty critical of him earlier in the year, but there's no doubt he's um, he's getting a lot more of the ball than he's ever done in the past, and I guess he is using it a bit better as well. Uh, I just feel like, as I said earlier in the year, I just feel like he's a little bit predictable at times with what he does when he gets the ball, and I feel like teams can easily counteract that. Um, but look, if... Uh, yeah, as I said, it was just good to see him turn that around because at quarter time I was expecting him to just be a liability the whole night. Uh, so for him to have such a good second quarter and, and a strong second half as well was uh, was great to see and, and a good sort of uh, maturing moment for him, I guess. So is our takeaway message from tonight's show as we uh, sort of get close to winding it up? Um, I'm with you. I feel like there's a, especially on big footy, there seems to be a lot of negativity, a lot of tension, a lot of criticism. You know, we've got a nice window opportunity here, run of games. If we can string, you know, four wins out of five games, I think we're, we're going to be in a pretty strong position. Do we need to just enjoy the moment a little bit more and lighten up a little bit? We, we seem to be pretty heavy at the moment, a lot of us Port supporters. Yeah, well, look, expectations are high this year. You know, we we brought in players. The club have freely said, yes, we're gunning for a premiership. Um, and until we win it, <laughs> I think supporters are probably going to be on edge. But as I said earlier, just the negativity needs to just stop. And I don't know, as I've said a few times on the podcast over the last couple of years that, you know, I just take every week as it is now and... I enjoy the little things and the bigger things will take care of themselves. Um, there's no point going to games and just hating the fact that we didn't win the right way um, because you know, how often do you sort of steamroll sides? You know, it's, it's very rare. Um, and even last year when we had you know big wins every second or third week, people were still complaining because 
we were only doing it against the lower clubs and, and couldn't beat anyone decent. Well, we've turned that around this year. We've, we might be scoring less, but we're actually beating good sides this year, which I think is a really important thing to note and, and does hold us in good stead uh, going forward for the rest of the year. And as you said, we've got a, a good window of opportunity over the next sort of five or six weeks. We're playing some lower sides on the ladder. Um, look, fingers crossed we don't have a slip-up and, uh, and we can really get some uh, consistency going in our results. Because I think if we can win this week, if we can get over Melbourne, um, you know, if we can win four or five on the trot, you know, that's, that's just going to really set up our season really well. Well, I mean, it's pretty damning in a way, isn't it? I think you put the figure up. Um, we've only won three in a row once since 2014, and that's been really our biggest hurdle, hasn't it? It has. I'm not sure that's true. I think we've we've done that a bit more since then, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's look. Our consistency of results has certainly been our issue. You, you know, going back to 2015, it was dropping games that we shouldn't have against really bad opposition, and that sort of followed through in 2016. Last year, we were able to beat bad opposition, but couldn't win a game against the decent ones to save ourselves. And this year, it's uh, it's a bit more. Eclectic, I guess you'd say. You know, we, I think we've won four games against top eight sides so far. Um, I think we're performing when we need to. Yes, there's been the odd slip-up, which has been disappointing, but it's not the end of the world, you know. Let's just take every week as it comes, and hopefully the bigger things will take care of themselves. I, I just hope, fingers crossed, we we give ourselves a great opportunity and finish top four. That would, that would be fantastic. And, I mean, there's still going to be a challenge... You know, that Hawthorne loss, I think, is going to hurt us a lot out of the losses we've had. And um, But, you know, it's not irreversible. If we can string... if You know, if we can string five out of six in this run, I think we're really going to push strongly uh, for top four. But uh, I'm with you. I, minimal expectations and just go and enjoy the game and uh, and look for the good things. And, you know, I guess... My final takeaway as we wind up the show, too, is uh, whoever gets picked gets picked, and we should back him in. And so if Needy gets picked, we back in Needy because he's a Port Adelaide player. He's representing our club, and he's got our Guernsey on. Yep. We do have some questions to go through uh, sure, before, we, uh, before we, we stop the show. But um, yep. Interstater has asked a couple of questions. He's asked, uh, would a line splitting the ground in two from wing to wing and a requirement to have at least six players from each side in each half at all times improve the game. No. Oh, I, I, don't think, put, I don't I think the game's the in as bad a state as what people are making out. And look, it, it, it all sort of evens itself out over time anyway. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't think the game is horrendous. Um, it is what it is. Uh, the game will sort itself out. I uh, yeah, there can be a little bit of excessive congestion, but you know, if the umpire just calls the the de- or makes the decision faster, I think uh, that will get the game moving. And uh, yeah, like I said before, I don't mind a few contests and stoppages because it actually forces the opposition to or the coaches to put players either side of the contest. Whereas uh, continuous play sort of facilitates flooding and rebound, yeah. Um, so you know I don't mind a contest. You know, and it's been look, I you know I've been watching the game a very similar time, and you know there was no problem with footy in the eighties and nineties, and there was lots of contests and stoppages, and if there was repeat stoppages, it would just bounce back. I, I'm not sure a line. All they'll do is they'll just bring the six players right up to the line. Yeah, you know, which is what they sort of do now anyway. So, yeah, yeah I don't think it's going to make that much difference. No, that's fair. Uh, Gremio Power, our friend from Brazil, has asked, uh, I'm cur- curious whether we are going to use the games against Blues, Saints and Frio to give an extra buy to those who have played every game so far. What do you think? Well, Frio were playing away. So, and as they showed against the Crows, they are capable. So... I wouldn't be taking them complacent. And the Blues have beaten us away when they shouldn't have. So, again, yeah, yeah, no, I 
maybe we might have some more man management on the interchange bench compared to uh, dropping players for games. Yeah. Gremio, there's a uh, there's a saying in Aussie Rules football, say, which is uh, you don't flirt with your form. And uh, I think this is certainly a case for that. You, you don't want to be dropping players um, and risk losing because that would just be an absolute disaster. And as Rick said, we've we've lost to the Blues away in recent times in a game that we absolutely shouldn't have. We've lost to Frio in a game away that we absolutely shouldn't have. Um, you know, this is important. We're, we're trying to win a premiership this year. Um, and and I, we, annoyingly, we don't have uh, the great form at the moment to be able to do that. You know, if we were... Ju- remember back uh, three or four years ago, or it might have been Geelong's last premiership year in 2011, they actually did that. They started dropping one player a week for, you know, four or five weeks on, on the trot. But, you know, they were they were dominating at that stage. Um, we're not dominating at the moment, so I don't think we can really afford to do that. And um, I think continuity of performance is, is much better than giving players a rest. Are they doing the bye before the finals this year? Yeah. So, I mean, that sort of gives the rest anyway. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that bye really opens it up. So, yeah, I think the players should get through. And, you know, they do the man management testing now. So if they are fatiguing, I guess... Um, they can work it out from there, but you know they're fit players. I'm sure they can grind it out. Yeah. Uh, Dylan has asked, uh, did we generally play negatively in the second half in order to conserve the lead, or was it a specific tactic used to shut down Richmond's offensive prowess? Well, I think we sort of spoke about that. I think we was did. more responding. I don't think we. I were think it's none defensive. of the above. Yeah, we weren't defensive. We were being probably a little bit more methodical. Yeah. than we have in the past based on Richmond's um, performance. We should have done that a bit better against Geelong and we might not have lost. What, did we kick one goal seven or something in the second half? So we certainly had opportunities to kick more goals. just yeah. didn't happen that way. But, um, yeah. Uh, AFL 2004, how important is Marshall's return? I guess we've spoken a little bit about that as well, but I think it's vital um, to our forward structure. It's going to really free up Dixon. It adds another 200-centimetre body up there who can take a good, strong mark. And as we show, as he showed at the start of the season, he can kick goals too. Yeah, and he's a great, great goal kicker. So, absolutely. Looking forward to him returning very soon. Yeah. Um, Christoph has asked, Jack Watts, par or bogey? I don't mind Jack. I think he's... Uh... I'll give, a, I'll give him uh, a par. I wouldn't give him a birdie. I won't give him a bogey. Uh, I mean, look, Jack's 27. He delivers what he delivers. What are we expecting from the guy? You know, we know what we're going to get. And, I mean, I some I don't know if he plays a decoy role every now and again or whatever, but, you know, he's bobbing up in games and getting multiple goals. So, And then others, he, he's just playing a role, I guess. So it is what it is. And... Yeah, I thought he was a, a par on on Friday night. I, you know, I thought when he got the ball, he was very, very clever with it, and uh, I think he ended up having five or six score involvements from twelve touches. So, yeah, he, he was certainly useful when he got the ball. And as I said, I, I liked the fact. I thought the way that we played him, and we we made sure that he was nowhere near Dixon uh, for much of the game. You know, allowed Dixon a bit more space. Uh, it made Rance a bit unsure of what to do at times. And I think that played into our hands perfectly. Yep. That's it. That's the questions. That's it. That awesome. is it. Well, we, we've wrapped it up in an hour and uh, Rick can go to bed. Have a That's snooze. It. Enjoy. <laughs> I'm still, get, still getting over this jet lag, I think. Well done. Yeah. Well, so you're on tomorrow night with Porsche? Me and the Porsche are on uh, tomorrow night uh, to awesome. discuss the uh, the dogs game. So uh, tune in, everybody, for that. Is this a double header with the uh, the Portress boys? It must be. Um, well, I hope they start at eight o'clock because we're going to start at nine. So yeah, I think I'm pretty sure the Portress boys start at eight. So yeah, we better send them a message. We will. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks everyone for tuning in and asking some questions and thanks Macca for uh, 
uh, coming in. And uh, thanks for Bevo and Cameron that have been helping us out and doing the shows on Monday night and letting us have a bit of a break. So, uh, yeah, all good. Well, uh, are you going to be there on Thursday or are you working? Unfortunately, I won't be there, no. Uh, I'll send you texts. Thanks, mate. <laughs> I'll send you my, uh, my, my lovely selfies. Good stuff. All right. Can't wait. Awesome. <laughs> well, all right, guys and girls, we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. Good stuff. See you, everybody. Can't appear. Boys, though, both threatening with every passing minute. Back to full forward. Off hands. Brown needed to trap it. 